Well, depending on who you are, what your background is, this time of year is different for different people. Uh, if you are Jewish, uh, possibly you celebrate Hanukkah this time of year, the festival of lights, eight crazy days. Uh, um, if you, uh, maybe you have, you're African-American and you celebrate Kwanzaa, uh, maybe you're just, uh, you know, you grew up kind of non-secular and uh, Christmas time is just a holiday for food and for friends and for a day off. Uh, for those who claim Christ who are Christians, we celebrate the birth of Jesus who came both as fully God and entered into being fully man. And one of the ways that we celebrate this birth of Jesus is through a season of Advent. Uh, this isn't something that you'll find as you flip through the pages of Scripture. This is a, a tool that Christians have kind of organized. Hey, we want to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And one way that we can prepare for that is through a season of Advent. Advent simply means coming. We're going to celebrate the first coming of Jesus. And from where we sit in history, we can also look forward to his return, his second coming. Well, he will come back again. And so we've been walking through this season of Advent. It begins the first Sunday after Thanksgiving. It takes us all the way up to Christmas. And, and you know, there's all kinds of different ways we talked about how you can celebrate this Advent season, right? We talked about the very first week Advent calendars. There's little calendars you can buy where you got little doors you open up. Sometimes there's a chocolate inside of them. Uh, sometimes there's not. If your wife got to it before you did, um, you open it up, there's a little Bible verse or something. It kind of tells the Christmas story. You can walk through it day by day as you're walking through this Advent calendar. And the kids can have them. It's kind of a great tool. Just to kind of remember, build this anticipation as we come uh, up towards this day of, of Christmas that we celebrate. We also talked about how those Advent candles, where every week, each Sunday, you can light a new candle. Well, this year, we've kind of taken those two concepts and, and mushed them together into one. So instead of weekly candles or a, a calendar that we're going to walk through, we've been walking through the story of these doors that you see up here. The first door I looked at, the one on my far right, uh, represents a, a Jewish slave door. This was a, a visual representation of, of week one of Advent, where we remembered uh, the prophecies that have been foretold about Jesus, about his birth, and, and the patriarchs. Uh, those that basically God promised that through the line of the Jews, he would bring about a Savior. And this also reminds us, we looked specifically at the story of Passover. That's why I use this image of a, of a Jewish slave door with, with the blood of the lamb on either side and over the top of the door. Because it was a reminder that God saves. That he saved his people, rescued them out of Egypt. And so now that Jesus is coming, it is this, this great Passover lamb is where his story is going to go. We find that okay, God continues to save his people. And then we looked at uh, a second door on week two. We looked at the innkeeper's door. This was a, a reminder of Bethlehem, of the setting for our story. It was also a reminder that God can do uh, whatever he desires, but he has a plan, and sometimes he does it through the unexpected. Bethlehem wasn't a big major city. It wasn't a port. It wasn't uh, where all these different places would, would kind of converge together. It was a small little town that no one really knew nothing about, except it did have one uh, major thing. It was the city of David, one of the favorite kings of the history of the Jews. That, that's where he came from. Again, it was a small little town, but hey, would something really awesome happen in Bethlehem again? And so we see the story of the Savior being born, and, and that, that part of the story beginning there. We looked at that last week. I'm sorry, two weeks ago. Last week, uh, as part of the children's program, we saw we added this third door to our, our, our list of uh, weeks here. It's a shepherd's gate. And we, we looked at the part of the story, part of the Christmas story, where after Jesus has been born, there's shepherds out in the field, these angels come and they say, hey, you, you gotta go see what's happened. The Savior's been born, and, and they go and they, they, they see that. And so we looked at the shepherds 
gate, this reminder that there is good news that has come to us. And that's a reason to celebrate. Well, today, week four, we've added a new door. And this one, if, if these other ones haven't, this one's going to get a little personal because this one is your door. Okay? This is your door. Now, I know all, all our doors are probably a little different, uh, but like this one here, they're probably a little beat up and a little broken at times. Uh, but th this, this is our door uh, for each one of us. And it's actually going to be looking at the story of the angels. As you look at the Christmas story as a whole, what, what, what piece do angels play in this story? See, what I want this week to do is I want to remind you that this is an interactive story being told. This is a story that, that commands our involvement, it commands a response. You ever done those choose-your-own-adventure books? And I was trying to think, well, what's an example of a story that really draws you in and gives you a role in the story? Well, I, I had those as a kid. If you've never seen a choose-your-own-adventure book, um, basically you start reading the book, and all of a sudden you get to a, a critical point in the story, can do one of two things. Maybe it's a story about a bank heist, and you're the detective trying to figure out who it is, and you get a lead, and you think it's, uh, you think it's crazy old Joe down by the street. And so, okay, you can either follow him because you saw him, or you can go report it. And you, you make a choice. If you choose this, you go to that, that page, and the story continues, and then it has another story. And, and you have all these different choices you can make throughout the story that land you at a couple different um, conclusions. I was actually curious as I was kind of preparing this message. I'm like, I wonder if they still make those. I mean, maybe you've read them for your, to your kids. Maybe you read them as a kid. I, I, I looked real quick online, and they actually they are still making these things, so people are still reading them. Um, but this Christmas story, in a sense, is like a choose-your-own adventure story. Now, when I read them as a kid, I, you can call it cheating. I called it research. Um, I, I had to know the consequences of the story I was choosing, Right? Maybe you've been there before too. So I would do one of those things where I get to that point where I make a choice and it says, for this option, turn to page 17. This option, page 32. I put my finger in and I would open up to both those and I'd kind of start to read the story and sometimes I'd go like two, three choices deep. Okay, well, if I go that way, it's going to take me, and I just kind of keep unpacking this so that I knew when I was making a choice, I want to come to the best possible conclusion. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if life was like that? If we could figure out all the first choices we have, but then beyond those choices, the consequences of them. If we knew how the story would end based off the choices that we made. Imagine that. There'd be no surprises, no regret, no missed opportunity, no wrong turns if life was like a choose-your-own-adventure book, right? Now, some may say, well, I, I really like surprises. So that, okay, you can still have some. You can just, whatever. But imagine you really see how every story plays out. Well, before we explore our part in this choose-your-own-adventure story, let's look at the part of the angels, okay? That's for week four, we look at the story of the angels. And what the angels reveal to us is they show up at unexpected times, and they bring some kind of unexpected news, and they call people to an unexpected adventure, Okay? You weren't expecting that, were you? So they, call, they come up at an unexpected time, and they bring some unexpected news that invites people into an unexpected adventure. Wouldn't you want that to be a part of, of your story? Where, where an angel would show up and have this message for you? And what's also about the ones we're going to look at is we see that as people uh, followed in, in their stories, that by listening to these messengers from God and, and obeying God and following in the path he was laying out for them, it brought purpose and direction and vision for their lives. It wasn't always easy, but it brought, brought about fulfillment 
Aren't those things that we desire for our lives? Maybe you feel like, especially this time of year, where you, know, you want to uh, bless people with gifts, and you, you know, maybe you're like me, where like, you're a gift giver, and you just you want to be able to, you know, it's like, I, I know I don't have to spend a lot of money, I just want to, you know, and well, I, I, don't, I can't afford it, so I have to do some extra work, I have to do these extra jobs, or build some extra things to sell, or whatever it is, and you, you think through all these things, it's like, you get focused on all this stuff, and sometimes it's overwhelming, like, man, I, I just, I'm just looking for a little more fulfillment in life. I, I want to get back to just what really matters in life. Well, what are we here for? You ever struggle with that this time of year? Well, imagine part of your story was, was this angel showing up and saying, all right, here's the path you're going. Here's what God is asking of you. Here's the adventure that lies before you, and your choice is either to follow or to not. Well, while we may not have an angel unexpectedly show up in our lives, as we look at some of these stories that we're going to look at here in a moment along the Christmas story, I think we can learn some things that may lead us to the same result, though that can lead us to a place of fulfillment and direction and purpose in our life as we understand how God is interacting here with his people. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you, don't, if you need a Bible, take one of the ones in the chairs in front of you. You know what? Keep it. Make it your own. Jot down notes if you like. Uh, if you want a journal in there, that, that is fine. Make it your own. If you know someone that needs a Bible, take one home, take two home, and, and pass them out. Please get the Word of God in front of uh, yourself. We always stress this. I even say, hey, don't take my word for it. When I say, hey, in this verse here, it says that open up and see for yourself. Get the ink on your fingers as we flip through the word of God or, or get the, uh, the bits on your finger if you want to go digital and turn on your phone or an iPad or whatever. Get the word of God in front of you. But Luke chapter 1 is going to be on the screen as well. We're going to see our first story where an angel unexpectedly shows up with some unexpected news and leads someone on an unexpected adventure. Beginning in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Let me pause there for a moment. Now, we don't have many specifics around how Gabriel appeared to her. Maybe he just walked up to her and said, hey, greetings, one who's found favor with God. But th th there was something about the story, something about the way he appeared or what he said that troubled her. We just read specifically that, said that, that his words troubled her. And then the fact that he responds with this, do not be afraid, gives a little more of the picture. It's almost like an old Al Alfred Hitchcock movie, right? If you're familiar with some of those old uh, uh, horror movies, they didn't show a lot of horror. They showed the reaction to the action they were trying to portray. And a lot of times, the, the, the character's reaction told you more about what was going on than the, showing you the actual action. So we may not ha have a, a perfect picture of what this uh, moment in time looked like, but we can see Mary's reaction. And there's fear, and there's concern. But Gabriel says, do not be afraid. Luke 1.31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, there's, there's a lot that the angel Gabriel is saying here. So he just pops up at this unexpected time, and he's got some wild news. Hey, don't be afraid, first of all, but something's going to happen, okay? You're going to get pregnant by God, and you're going to give birth to a child. You're going to name him Jesus. 
And, and then here's all this awesome stuff. He's going to be the son of God. And uh, he'll, he'll have the throne of his father, David. You're, you're the favorite king of your people. He, he's going to continue on in that throne. And she's probably, uh, maybe possibly, remembering some of the, the prophecies of, of her people and, and seeing how it'll be from the line of David that the Savior will come. And then it gets this point of reign over the house of Jacob forever and there'll be no end to his kingdom. Man, Gabriel's laying a lot down here in this one line. Um, but this stuff is so unexpected. Mary did not see this coming. That, that she doesn't even get, uh, 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 she doesn't, before she even deal with the who, uh, of what's going to happen, that, okay, this Jesus person, that's what I'm going to give me my son and all that. Before she even gets that, she, she's hung up on the how. All she heard is, you're going to be pregnant by God. And, I mean, I wonder if she even heard the rest, because her response is this in verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So God has an unexpected adventure in store for Mary. An invitation to be the mother of God. It's almost more a heads up saying, Here, hey, here's what's happening. She was probably busy planning a wedding, picking out the china to put on her gift registry at Target and, and getting everything all set. She was probably looking off into the, the, the sunset, thinking about having a nice little farm with 3.4 kids or whatever the average was at that point in time. You know, when they get their first donkey to tend to the field. I, I don't know. She, she, whatever it looked like in that point in time, she was probably thinking about the wedding and getting married to Joseph and, and all the things that were, were going to come with that. And all of a sudden, this angel pops up. He says, hey, no, don't, don't freak out, Mary. I got some news for you. That the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you will, you will conceive a child. And here's what you're going to name him. Don't worry, we got it all figured out. You name him Jesus, and, and he is the Son of God. And there'll be no end to his reign. How, how would you respond to such an uh, interruption in your life? I mean, think about that. In, in one sense, that's what it was. This angel came with some news that was very interrupting to her life, Right? Again, we're doing some inference here. We don't know how far out she had a plan, how far out she had what her life with Joseph was going to be like. But she was on a trajectory. She was on a path. All of a sudden, Gabriel shows up, and, and everything has changed. How would you respond to that? I might need a little time to process. You know, like set an appointment. Like, Gabriel, are you free next Thursday? Can we come back and powwow on this? I just got to kind of let this soak in and marinate for a little bit. But no, Mary says, uh, Luke one thirty-eight. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. When God showed up at her door through the angel Gabriel, she welcomed him in. She surrendered to his plan. She made a difficult choice. Seriously, I mean, think about what, what she was agreeing to here. What she was saying, yep, this is the, let, let it be as you said. She's basically saying, yep, let me wind up pregnant by someone who's not my husband before I'm married. I mean, there were major social stigmas that she was going to face in that culture. This, this was a challenging decision, a difficult decision, yet she welcomed God. She welcomed this interruption. She chose to serve and obey God. She stepped out in faith, and in doing so, as a result, she lived a life with such clear direction and purpose even if she didn't have the greatest of ease and comfort. I think that's something that we struggle with here in, in the States. So much uh, of what we do and how we live uh, can sometimes revolve around comfort. 
trying to remove any, any pain or discomfort from our lives, which is, is nothing wrong with that. That's not a bad thing. But I think we become so successful at that, so successful at, at getting the discomfort out of our lives that all of a sudden the slightest discomfort that tries to creep its way back in becomes this great, huge offense. I have three kids, seven, four, and one, and a common conversation we're having in our household is about how to properly gauge an injury. And so we were outside playing yesterday, and that turned it out. I was out shoveling driveway, and my, my seven-year-old wants to come out and help. I love it. And, and so I'm, I'm showing her the ropes, what we're going to do, and how it's all going to play out. So she's out there shoveling with me, and we, we finish up. We go inside, and um, she, she's sitting on the couch with her boot off with a little, little you know, ice pack thing on, on her ankle. She's got a little bruise there. And trying to figure out what it was from it was probably from a few days prior or something. Like the cold aggravated it and probably caused it to hurt. And so I'm telling like, honey, I, I know there's pain. I know there's discomfort there. I know it doesn't feel good. But let me help give you some perspective on this. Yes, there's a slight little bruise, but this isn't a big injury. There's worse that could happen. So yes, does it hurt? You can validate all that discomfort. You can validate all that pain. But I'm trying to walk with her to help her to see, okay, this is just a small little thing. This is something I can walk off and, and keep on going with life. Because if we, if we made a big deal out of every little scratch or bump or bruise in life, man, we would never be able to handle the big breaks, or the, the big challenges that come our way. So I want her to be able to see that accurately. So I think that's something that tells a story about where we are in our culture. We so try to move all that discomfort out of the way that when some comes back in, man, we, we just don't know what to do with it. But here, Mary is agreeing to all kinds of discomfort, both physical and social. And she's saying, let it be as you've said. She welcomed in God. She followed his plan and was faithful to him. All right, so another story of an angel showing up unexpectedly. If you've got your Bibles open still, you can actually turn two chapters before to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> If you ever wonder why, um, if you flip through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, why they all don't start the same way if they're all telling the same story about the same person, it's because you have four different people writing it. And, and four different people would look at a story and they would highlight different aspects of it. And they're, they're writing to four different kinds of, of, of groups of people. Some uh, wrote to the Jews, some wrote to the Gentiles, and, and there's different kind of perspectives that they took. And that's why as you read the four Gospels together, you really get the full picture of the birth of Jesus, of the life of Jesus, and then his death and resurrection. So we're going to look here at Matthew chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here we have, unexpectedly, an angel of the Lord appearing in one of Joseph's dreams. So Joe finds out Mary's pregnant. Okay? We can imagine maybe he talked to her about it. So Mary, is there something we need to talk about? Oh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant. We're not married yet. We haven't been together yet, so you may have some questions. But don't worry, it's God's baby. Holy Spirit conceived, it's God's baby. Okay, sure, Mary. God, God, you know, let's go. No, Joseph was like, Mary, you'd be crazy. You know? But Joseph, being a good man, says that he, he just 
plans to divorce her quietly. He's not going to try to shame her publicly. He's just going to say, you know what? Clearly, something's gone awry. We're just going to part ways. But the, the, you know, the, the unexpected news that he gets in this story goes deeper than that. The rabbit hole goes a little deeper. So he's just, that's his plan. I'm just, we're going to part our ways, and, and so this is not going to play out the way I had thought. But in a dream, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and says, hey, Joseph, everything Mary said, spot on. That child inside of her right now was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You're going to name him Jesus, and this is going to be the Son of God. And so continue with your plan to marry your wife. And so all of a sudden, there's this unexpected news that comes at an unexpected time. It's an invitation to an unexpected adventure. So you want to help raise a child that will be the Savior of the world? I mean, that's almost what this, this angel say. hey, this, this is God's son. Marry, 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 and be a stepdad. There's a tall order right there. Let's see what he does. Matthew uh, 1, 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until uh, she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. For those like, what do you mean? He knew her not. He didn't know who his wife was. No, he knew who Mary was. He just didn't know in the biblical sense uh, until they got married, until after Jesus came, and then they got to consummate the marriage. Uh, so he wakes up, and he says, okay, the, the angel just told me this. This is all legit. This is what's happening. So when God showed up at Joe's door, what did he do? He welcomed him in. He surrendered to his plan. Joseph made a difficult decision. He allowed God to change his plan. It's one thing if all of a sudden, out of, out of the blue, God says, hey, I got, I got something awesome for you. I got something crazy. It's going to be difficult at times, but it's worth it. That's kind of what, what Mary's deal was, right? But Joseph had, hey, I, I got a plan. I'm going to do this. I found out she was pregnant. I'm just gonna, we're just going to part ways. Now God's like, nope, nope. Pump the brakes, Joseph. Change your plans. Sometimes that's hard when, when we feel like God's pulling that in our lives. We feel maybe uh, we're seeking direction from him, from him and it's, it's leading everywhere we don't want to go. But no, God, we, we, I had a plan in my life. But God showed up at Joe's door. He welcomes him in, surrenders to his plan, and allows God to change his plans. And in doing so, his life is given new purpose. His life is given a clear direction, even though, yes, it brought about challenges. W would you let God change your plan? Now, now, sometimes these are easy moments. You know, if you've got a plan in place and you know it's leading nowhere good, you know it's up to no good, and all of a sudden, whether it be through a friend that you feel like God's kind of put in your, in your path, or, or it's been maybe you stumbled across a, a passage of Scripture that really speaks to the situation you're in right now, um, or just even something, you know, an angel appears and says, hey, don't go with, ahead with the plan you're doing. If it's, a, if it's a path that's leading you to no good, those are easy ones to be like, okay, you're right, God, you changed my path in this. I'll follow you. Maybe not, not, not always, but more often than not, those are probably a little easier. But the ones that are hard to change sometimes is where, hey, I thought this was a good plan. I thought this was something that brings you glory and honor, God. You want me to change this plan? When I was growing up in high school, you always had to do a big paper. I think it was your sophomore or junior year. It was called your um, a career paper. You had to look at, at one or two professions that you wanted to pursue in life, and you wrote a big paper on them, and you pursued all the pros and cons, and you know, basically, is, is this a path I'd want to take? And for me, one of the things I looked at was being a biomedical engineer. Uh, the, the, just the, the sciences fascinate me. Uh, modern medicine fascinates me. 
The fact that we can just take organs out and put them in someone else and, and just like button things up and it works. I mean, I, I got parts to a, a car that I took apart. I still can't get the fit. And I'm like, I'm not sure how that works. The human body, they can do the same thing. It just, and it works. I mean, it fascinates me. And uh, I love tinkering. And like, that was the engineering side, the, the, the mechanical side of that. And so I, I was going to be a biomechanical engineer. As I learned more about it, I'm like, hey, it can do some great things. I, I, I love people, and, and I love finances. Not so much figuring them out, but just having them to figure out. And so I'm like, okay, I can make some money being a biomechanical engineer and take care of myself, and I can help others as well. This is, this is a good plan. And for as far as I was in, in my walk with God, hey, God would honor this. This has got to be a good thing, right? But as my story unfolded, it became clear to me that, that God had another plan. And I went from a place of, of laughing at God about his plan for my life to living it and fully embracing it. And when I say laugh, I mean literally laughing. I had a pastor when I was uh, uh, an eighth grader. Uh, I grew up in the Lutheran church. In eighth grade, you go through confirmation class, and then you have to meet with the pastor, and they just kind of have a conversation with you, and then you're confirmed in Christ. That's how, the, how they do it there. Um, basically, say, hey, Steve, have you ever thought about being a pastor? And I laughed at him. Again, it wasn't trying to be cruel or mean. I just, that was the furthest thing from my mind. No, I'm not going to be a pastor. I got, I got a plan in place. I'm going to be a biomechanical engineer. I'm going to make some stuff. And I went from that point of laughing about it to, man, here I'm living and I'll, I, I'll never turn back. Because God has given me such direction and purpose and fulfillment in my life. Because when he knocked on my door, I welcomed him in and I submitted to his plan. So that's the second angel interaction we see in the Christmas story. There's, there's even another one that we can look at here this morning. Uh, if you set your Bibles open, uh, turn back to Luke. Uh, so it's two chapters ahead. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this time. Luke chapter 2. In this part of the Christmas story, this takes place after Jesus has been born. So basically, an angel comes to Mary, says, you're going to be pregnant uh, with the Holy Spirit. Name him Jesus. He's going to be the Son of God. Angel comes up to Joseph. Hey, Joseph, she's telling the truth. This is all legit. Continue with your plan. Uh, marry your wife, uh, your fiance, and, and you know, stay with her and all that. Raise a son. His name will be Jesus. Uh, and then they go to Bethlehem because they have to uh, register where they're, they're from and their family is from the line of David. So they go to Bethlehem. No room in the inn. They end up in a manger. And Jesus is born. This is where the story picks up. Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Again, something about when these angels show up, and there's this fear as you kind of that, that first go-to emotion. What's funny about this, we're talking about unexpected, right? What were these shepherds doing? They were keeping watch in the night. These are professional watchers. They're the lookout crew. Make sure no danger comes. What happens? They're taken unexpectedly by an angel saying, hey, something awesome has happened here. I don't know if, if that irony has lost me for decades, and I just saw that this year. I'm like, hey, they were keeping watch, and yet they didn't see this coming. There's an unexpected timing where these angels show up, and they, these shepherds freak out. An angel shows up, verse 10, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
And so it goes from they're just watching the sheep, watching for danger, making sure nothing sneaks up on them, making sure that nothing takes out the sheep. All of a sudden, this angel shows up. They're freaking out. Angel says, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. I got awesome news for you. Today is the day you've been waiting for. He's building on the prophecies that have been told. He's building on the story of what was taking place in Bethlehem. Hey, in the city of David, Bethlehem, you thought there would be nothing else special about it. A Savior has been born. Today, this is the day. All of a sudden, a whole host of angels and heavenly hosts show up, and they just start singing and praising God, and these shepherds are just freaking and so what do they do? What do they do? Well, they've been told the Savior's been born and all this is going on. And they get sent on this unexpected journey to go and bear witness to the Son of God being born. See, I, I, I imagine it was probably an easy decision at first. So God shows up at their door and, and, and they, they welcome him in. It's probably an easy decision at first to go and not only witness, but then tell the story of this. Because imagine how this started. The first people they come to are Mary and Joseph, right? So they go and they find this manger with Mary and Joseph in it, and they say, hey, um, this might sound a little odd, but um, did you just give birth to the Son of God? You, oh, you did? Oh, good, we got the right barn. Man, the past three people just were looking at us cross-eyed. I mean, it was weird. Anyway, so they end up in the manger, and they're talking to Mary and Joseph. Uh, this is Luke 2, 17 and 18. We're going to jump to verse 20. Uh, when they saw it, this is referring to the manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. They, they relayed what just happened. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so the first people they go and share this with, most likely, is Mary and Joseph. And they knew what was going on. And so there's this amazing celebration. This is the child. This is the Savior. He's right here in front of me. Can I hold him? Mary's like, no, you're touching my baby. You've been out with sheep. Whatever. So it's all playing out. And, and, you know, it probably started easy to walk this road, this adventure that God had put them on. And then they, they go back to their fields. It says, um, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. They were just probably on this high of, hey, that was just an amazing night. You just ever had a fantastic night and just, man, you come home, and you're like, I, I, need, I need to go to bed because I have something more. But I, I can't go to bed. I'm, I'm just wired. I'm going to do it again. Let's go see the baby Jesus again. Maybe I can hold him this time. Uh, but they were probably wired, and they, they go back out to their field. And, and the next people, maybe they had a chance to share was with the sheep. And the sheep, they're, they're not going to argue. So it's still, it's kind of easy to share that story. And they, go, they share probably, let's assume, uh, with loved ones. They go back home. Hey, hey, honey, you'll never guess what happened tonight. Guess. And of course, being a little salty, probably gave her like three days of guessing. Okay, fine, I'll tell you. Uh, so, so the son of born, the son of God has been born. The Savior has come. All the prophecy, it's playing out. It's being foretold. This is awesome. This is amazing. I can't stop. I, I got to tell someone else. Call, call your uncle. Call, call your cousins. Bring, have, have a, have, so Steve's coming for dinner tonight. I'm going to tell him then. There was probably also excitement. It was easy to bear witness to what they had seen. But you have to imagine as time went on, that probably became more and more difficult. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, yep. there's the shepherd who, you know, keeping watch and didn't see the angels coming, and supposedly he saw the Son of God. But the point here is this. When God showed up at their door, they welcomed him in. They went and told others about what they had witnessed, what they had seen. They were faithful to that. We, we've looked here at three examples of angels showing up at unexpected times, receiving some kind of unexpected, or giving some kind of unexpected news to someone that leads them on an unexpected adventure, giving fulfillment, purpose, and direction in life 
These moments where God sent a personal messenger to accomplish his will. It wasn't always an easy path for, but it was definitely a fulfilling one, one worth walking. Let's come back here to this fourth door that we've added here to our Advent doors. This is the one I said was yours, that this is your door. While there may not be an angel present here this morning, there is a messenger with a message. And that message, that messenger is the one that we are celebrating this season. That the messenger is Jesus who has come to say, hey, yes, I, I, I'm that Passover lamb. I am God's plan for salvation. Trust in me. And he goes to the cross as a man. He dies on the cross as a payment for our sins. Prior to that, the people of God would sacrifice animals. The, the animals' bloodshed would pay the price for their sin, but that was never sufficient because they would continue to sin. They would, they would sin in other ways. And God, knowing this, offered a way so that all who would believe in Jesus would repent of their sin, receive him as Lord and Savior, would be forgiven of their sin. When God would look at us when we trust in Jesus, he sees the perfection of Jesus. This is the message that we've received in Jesus, that he is the Savior. He's the one that God has sent to save us. The Son of God sent to restore our relationship with a holy, loving God, sent to redeem those who trust in him. We repent of our sin and receive him. See, a life following Jesus may not get any easier, but it will bring purpose, direction, and fulfillment. It will bring a relationship with our God, our creator. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 you may have heard it before. It says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So this is a letter where <coughs> John is basically given this vision and Jesus is speaking to him. He's given a message for these different churches in the area. And he gets to the church in Laodicea. And basically the, the, the church there in Laodicea, we see it we can, from what's said to it, that basically it, it's, People who know about Jesus, but they haven't included him in their lives. God says that they're, they're lukewarm. They're neither hot nor cold. They're, they're not pursuing God and, and engaging Jesus in their life, and yet they're, they're not walking away from him either. They're just kind of lukewarm. They're kind of like our coffee this morning. My apologies. Again, just leave it alone, okay? We'll fix it next week. <laughs> um, they, they, were, they were lukewarm. And this is the word that said to them, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. He gives them an invitation into relationship with him. Now, a quick little tangent on here. If you ever heard the phrase, you know, I, I accepted Jesus in my heart. It's kind of a, a tricky phrase. But we, we don't see that call in Scripture. We don't see a call say, hey, unless you've received Jesus in your heart, then, then you're, you're not forgiven. What we see is a call to believe Jesus is who he says he is, to believe that he is God, to repent, which basically acknowledges that we've sinned, acknowledges that we've made mistakes, acknowledges that we've fallen short of the glory of God, of what God would have for our lives. We repent, says, okay, I turn and go the other way. So I'm done with that, and I'm going the other way. So we believe that Jesus, who he says, is we repent and go the other way, and we receive him as our Lord and Savior. It's a matter of confessing, yeah, we, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. There's all kinds of stuff that takes place when we walk that road, but when we, we humble ourselves and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. What we see in John 14, 17, talks about how the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and dwells with us. 
In, in Ephesians 3, 16, 17, in referring to this inner strengthening that happens, it does say Jesus dwells in our hearts. And so that there is truth in that statement. We talk about have you received Jesus in your heart. But we're talking about salvation, that the question we're really trying to ask someone is do you understand your position before God apart from Jesus? Do you understand that without Jesus, you have sin in your life, you have mistakes in your life that are undealt with, and those will ultimately lead you to separation from God? So that when, if you die without having dealt with that sin, you will be separated from God forever. Scripture will call that hell. You'll be removed from God's presence. But God, knowing all this, sent us Jesus. So we trust in Jesus. Our sin is, is forgiven, is washed away. As far as the east is from the west is our sin from us when we receive and trust in Jesus. And so this message here, behold, I stand at the door and the knock, this is given to the church. This isn't, this is, I think this has gotten boiled down in our community or in our culture today to this, this evangelical phrase where we're trying to ask someone, hey, have you received Jesus yet? Have you made him your Lord and Savior yet? And so I get the heart when people say that, but this isn't an evangelical thing. This isn't like a, a reaching out to someone who doesn't know Jesus. This is something that was said to a church. I, I, I'm at the door. I'm knocking. Are you going to open in? Are you going to open the door and let me in? Will you welcome me? Yes, there might be some crazy things that that leads you down. There might be a change of plans. It might lead you to bear witness to some things that sometimes might be easy and other times might be difficult. But will you open the door of your life to God? We're called to believe, to repent, to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So this morning, whether you are a Christian or not, my question for you is, will you welcome God in? Will you welcome God into your story? Every Christmas we celebrate this. Every Christmas is a reminder of this. Every Christmas is a reminder that he came to us. God with us. Here we are, dead in our sin, but God came to us with a solution, with a plan that when we trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, our sins are washed away. It's every Christmas we prepare to celebrate that again, that he came to us. And so let us celebrate that by opening the door of our life, allowing God to come in, and let us faithfully follow his will. Will you respond like Mary as his servant when he calls you to step out in faith? To say, yes, I'm your servant, God. Whatever you have for me, I will step out in faith. Will you respond like Joseph who responded in obedience when he calls you to change your plans? Okay, I'll change my plans. I'll go your way, God. Will you respond like the shepherds who became a witness this Christmas to what has already been done? They got to go and witness it. And then what did they do after they saw it? They went and told others about it. Will you respond to God in your life by being a witness to what he's already done and then sharing that with others? Like the shepherds, will you take the message of Jesus being born to others? In one perspective, Christmas is a, is a choose-your-own-adventure story. God's standing at the door of our, of our hearts. He's standing at the door of our lives. He's knocking. Are we going to let him in and celebrate the fact that he came to us? and then humbly follow his will and his plan for our lives? Or do we shut the door and just go on with our own ways? Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God. We thank you so much for Christmas. We thank you so much for the season of Christmas where we can celebrate you, where we can prepare our hearts uh, for all, all that it means, Father. 
And every time we think about Christmas, it all, my mind always jumps uh, to Easter as well as, as we celebrate the whole story of Jesus. But it begins with you coming to us, God with us. I thank you, Father God, for what you did. I thank you uh, for your messengers, the angels who, who spoke to Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. Father, I thank you that Jesus is a messenger to us, that he brings this message of hope, of salvation, of truth to us. Father, help us to obey you and, and, and to follow your will for our lives. Help us to, to follow you even when it means a change of plans. Help us to then tell others about you because this is great news. This news is so good. This Christmas season, no matter how beaten, how broken, how tattered our door is, Help us to open it to you, to welcome you in and to commune with you this Christmas. We love you, Father. Amen.